Been a little bit, but Matt McCall joining the show right now. The sports drive continues here on ESPN Pensacola. Uh, former head coach at UMass in Chattanooga, national champion, assistant with Billy Donovan. Matt, hopefully you had a Thanksgiving or a happy Thanksgiving. Everybody had a Thanksgiving. Hopefully you had a happy Thanksgiving, and it's good to have you back on. Drew, appreciate you having me, man. Excited to talk some hoops. I, I've got a, a big game down here tomorrow. I am doing uh, TV for ESPN Plus tomorrow for FAU versus Florida Gulf Coast. Oh, that's going to be a good one. If you look, it's going to be a great one. And if you look at what both those programs are doing right now, I know Miami's having a good year. I know UCF is is doing some positive things. But and you could make the argument that those are the two premier teams in the state of Florida right now. As crazy as that sounds, I mean, yeah, we have Florida State. Yeah, we have Miami and Florida. But, you know, it is the mid-major teams that, that are getting – uh, some some love from Matt McCall here. Well, uh, I think, look, th- this is one of the things that's so great about college basketball is that we have mid-majors who are consistently up inside the top 25, teams that make runs, obviously, in March and everything like that. But, you know, we're not even to the new year yet, and we've got some, some good college hoops at the mid-major level. I mean, from you and your perspective, being a head coach at that level, how amped up do you get for, for those games where maybe the casual fans like, ah, it's, it's not Duke in North Carolina. I'm not going to pay too much attention to that. I mean, how, how much of this game is really a big deal for not only these programs, but just the overall uh, mid-major uh, hype, if you will, for teams that are in the A-10 or in the Atlantic Sun or, or any of these other conferences like FAU and like Florida Gulf Coast are? Well, I think it's a big deal for a couple of reasons, Drew. I think, one... You know, being in South Florida, and, and I'm living in South Florida right now, I think college athletics, it's its more about the pros, right? And, like, you have a team like FAU who went into Gainesville and they knocked off the Florida Gators. And what they've done and continue to win and everything, it's like you almost want to try to create some excitement around their program because being in South Florida, everything's about the Miami Heat or the Miami Dolphins or – you know, the Panthers or the Marlins or whoever it is, Yeah. you know, and even the Miami Hurricanes, and I, like, I, I totally get that, but, man, this, this team is special and they're having a really good year. And then you look at what Florida Gulf Coast has done. The first game of the season for them, they go out to Southern California and they beat USC. So you're matching these two teams up tomorrow. One of them beat Florida and the other one beat USC, and they're playing against each other in Boca Raton tomorrow I think it's just try to create some buzz and excitement around what both these teams are doing, I think, is, is extremely important. But even going back to, to what you were asking me, Drew, just in terms of, like, mid-majors and, you know, when when you go into somewhere, and a lot of these, you know, these mid-majors, low-major schools are playing guarantee games. Yeah. So when you go out to USC, they're paying you, you know, $85,000, $90,000 to help fund your budget. And the same thing when you go play the University of Florida, Florida State, Whoever it may be, and you know another, uh, you know mid mid major program that went up to Tallahassee and, and Stetson and Donnie Jones, uh, who's a close friend who was on those national championship teams at, at the University of Florida as an assistant coach. But you go up there and you get paid to play up there, and when you can win a bye game uh, as a mid major program, man, it it's just it creates excitement, it creates a buzz in your program, and there's no better feeling. 
and your players are amped up, they're juiced up to play those games, and it gives them an opportunity to go into some big-time environments. But, you know, you've got two teams squaring off against each other tomorrow down here that they've both won big-time games against Power 5 teams. Yeah, and that's part of the beauty of it. And the way that college basketball goes is, I mean, the talent expanse of college basketball is so great that you've got, to me, it is... I don't know if it's 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 up there. I think with you know with soccer and we think of the, the the overall world talent that we see in the game and like there's guys who play in some of the lower leagues in the world and they're still really good players in basketball. You go from D1, obviously they're the best of the best, but you go D2, D3, NAIA, all these guys can play. Uh, junior college, all these guys are really really good at what they do and the talent. Uh, gaps, if you will, are, are really not there like, like they would be in football, for example, where you got Alabama and then FAU, for example. There is a huge talent gap within those teams where Alabama, FAU, and college basketball, very, very narrow because of you know coaching and the job that those coaches do and, and obviously the talent expanse and, and belief that, the, that those guys have in their programs. Uh, how much do, does it go to say for, for these coaches, and I don't know if it's, if it's just younger coaches who are getting a chance to finally – uh, showcase what they've got, so similar to what what you were able to do uh, when when you first started at, at at Chattanooga, and you've got a group of guys where you're a mid major team and you're in the SoCon or, or wherever these guys may be, Davidson or Florida Gulf Coast or FAU or whatever. There's a little bit of chip on their shoulder for the coaches, but also, I mean, they've got the energy and they're bringing it into their team. And then you get guys to come and commit, and you're getting the most out out of the players. There, there's something that everybody falls in love with, I think, when it comes down. To, to that is the hype that you don't get as a program, but you still got high-quality players regardless of the level. Well, Drew, I think you bring up a good, a good point, too, but like when you think of basketball versus football, and especially at the collegiate level, mm-hmm. but even go into the NBA, like in football, bigger, faster, stronger, a lot of times, I would say in college, and I'm not a football coach, my dad played at the University of Florida, so I follow the game and I love the game of football, but bigger, faster, stronger in football wins. And in basketball, you can get away with not being bigger, faster, and stronger, and you can beat teams that are bigger, faster, stronger than you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like the the three point line is the greatest equalizer in the sport of basketball. And like, like even, and I know the Lakers are playing better now and, and trying to transition a little bit to the NBA, you know, but the Warriors have been the best team in the NBA for the, you know, you could make an argument for the last, what, eight, nine years. I mean, if you pick one franchise, you'd say, hey, this has been the best team in the NBA, you know, the last decade. I would assume a lot of people are going to pick the Warriors, and that's because, not because they're bigger, faster, or stronger, but because they utilize the three-point line, they utilize ball movement, they utilize player movement, and they make a lot of threes. So in football, it's a lot of times the bigger, faster, stronger team wins, and in basketball, it's not like that. You look what St. Peter's did last year in the NCAA tournament. They caught fire. They mm. made a ton of threes. They beat Kentucky in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So I think that's why you see, too, a lot of these quote-unquote low majors, mid-majors, knocking off these power fives because, hey, college basketball, there's tremendous parity. 
And yeah. if you have better athletes, if you have bigger players, if you have stronger players, it's not like football. If you run up against a team that goes into a game and they make 13, 14 threes, I don't care what level you're at, you're going to lose. And I think that's what makes you know college basketball and just the sport of basketball in general so special. Talking hoops with Matt McCall, former Division One head coach with UMass Chattanooga, assistant with Billy Donovan, a call-in. Some college hoops tomorrow with FAU and Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, we'll stick to a couple of Florida teams real quick, and then we'll jump to the NBA a little bit. Uh, FSU off to about as bad of a start as you could ask for out of a, a a major conference team. I mean, Louisville somehow are worse than them, and they're actually playing each other here coming up, which will be a, a battle for who is worst in, in the ACC. But all, all joking aside, I mean, they're they're, they're one and nine. It's it's been awful. They're I I. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say their season is done in terms of getting the tournament, but I, I think you could easily say that. Bamba Miller's still out, uh, some injury issues, but w- w- what exactly has gone wrong for FSU, and what do they need to do to bounce back from this if they can't even do that and, and make an NIT or, or at least find some sort of success with this season? Well, Drew, I think the first thing they have to do is get healthy. I think the, the second thing they have to do is the NCAA needs to clear Bob Miller. I mean, what's going on with him and the whole situation is... Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just a, dis, it's, it's a disservice to the kid, right? And, we, like, we talk about always trying to do what's best for the student-athlete. And in that situation, the NCAA is not doing what's best for the student-athlete. Like, student-athlete welfare, student-athlete benefit, we're not doing what's best for the student-athlete in, in terms of that situation. So, um I think Leonard Hamilton, he knows what he's doing. He's been doing it for so long. You look at what he's done at Florida State over his career there, it's pretty much remarkable. Um, and, you know, the, the Elite Eight, the, the, the Sweet Sixteens, the NCAA tournaments, I just think they have to get healthy. I think um, the NCAA needs to do right by that kid. Um, but obviously getting off to that start is difficult and you just got to try to stay positive within the locker room. You got to try, you know, continue to encourage. Um, and once you get into the ACC, which is struggling right now when you, in the landscape of college basketball, if you, if you look at the ACC and look, North Carolina, they make the national championship game last year and, there's people right now that don't have them even as an NCAA tournament bid. You know, winning games is difficult. It's a challenging thing to do, and I think you just got to stick to it and and know that Leonard Hamilton knows what he's doing, and you just got to get healthy. And the Bob Miller thing that 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 has to get rectified because what's going on with him is is unfortunate and it's not right by the student athlete. Yeah, I think I think you phrased it right where the NCA, you know, they're they are supposed to care for the athletes and they're not caring for the athlete in this situation where his family cleared everything up and they're still um allowing for the suspension to 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 keep on rolling. So hopefully they get that figured out soon. On the flip side, Florida Gators six and three on the year. Uh, maybe not, you know, the most perfect start, obviously losing to FAU, uh, getting blown out by by Xavier, but they do have a chance to knock off UConn Tomorrow, a really big win that would be. Is there anything in particular they need to do with that one? Obviously, it's going to be a tough game to win, but you got Colin Castleton. That, that, that's a start. And then going from there, is there anything that needs to happen well for the Gators to win this game or has to happen perfectly? Well, I think first off, you know, Kyle Lofton needs to be out there on the floor um, to give them the best opportunity to, to, to compete in that game. 
Um, I, you know, I've done the Field of 68 podcast a couple different times, and I've seen UConn play a bunch. I mean, I think they are no question worthy of their top five ranking. I think what Coach Hurley is doing there this year, I've said this on, on podcasts before, I think his teams in years past, he's tried to will them to win, and you can see by his antics on the sidelines, and he almost has this calm demeanor about himself over there this year, which he knows he has a really, really good team. I, I think Kyle Lofton being out there on the floor is important, and it's it, who is the next guy you know, that steps up for the Gators. I know Fudge has had some good games as of late, but they need somebody else to step up that's that third or fourth guy for them and just a level of consistency with who that's going to be. Um, I think they've got to make shots from the perimeter. I think UConn plays with just a tremendous pace. And it's going to be a fun game, um, but I think Florida's got to find a level of consistency with Who's number three? Who's number four? And we know Castleton's a guy. We're going to do everything we can to get him the ball and spots to be successful. We know Kyle Lawson has had his moments. We know, we know Fudge has had his moments. But where is the level of consistency on the offensive end of the floor? And then I think they have to guard. They, they, they've got to find an identity on the defensive end of the floor where, hey, this is what we're going to hang our hat on. This is what we're going to do defensively. And You, you know, you look at the game against West Virginia and, you know, West Virginia kind of kind of ran through them a little bit. Um, but where's the level of consistency defensively that, hey, this is our identity, this is who we're going to be um, to give themselves a chance? Because I think UConn is going to be the best team that they've played against all year. I don't even think it's close. And I think a lot of, a lot of it has to do with just Coach Hurley and his old demeanor on the sidelines. And he knows he has a really, really good team this year. Yeah, that dominant win, or the dominant loss came against uh... – West Virginia, not Xavier. They did lose to Xavier, though. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to follow as we get into conference play, too, where this Florida team sits. I mean, they, they were picked, I know, by Field of 68, and I'm, I am I follow them uh, very, very closely. Uh, I download the preview, which is maybe some of the best basketball coverage you could get in terms of uh, collegiate um, basketball. Um, anyways, plug for them. Great. They were picked. Yeah, great, they great. were picked middle of the pack by Field of 68. So uh, them going, it'll be interesting to see where Todd Golden gets them uh, come, you know, mid January, and we'll obviously be talking about that uh, come come that time. One, one one final thing with college. Then I want to ask you a, a question about the pros. Uh, Matt Matt McCall joining the Sports Drive here with finals coming up now. In your time as an assistant or head coach or whatever you want to expound upon, how did you handle? preparing your players for games amidst final exams and trying to balance those things out? Well, I think, Drew, you have to give them time to focus on school. Uh, you never schedule you know, games during that period if you can avoid it. A lot of schools don't even allow it. Um, I think you have to give your players time to focus on that and kind of schedule practice around that. For me, Drew, I, I thought the more challenging time outside of exams was Christmas break. Mm. And essentially, men's and women's basketball, you know, at UMass, it was ice hockey, but nobody else is on campus. And campus is a complete ghost town. And especially if you live in a college town like, mm. yeah. you know, the University of Florida in Gainesville or, you know, the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, Massachusetts, if you live in a college town, it becomes a ghost town and no one's around 
And it's just how, how can you occupy your players' times, their days where, hey, it's not mundane. It's not just practice and basketball all the time. You know, we only play, you know, a game the day before, you know, three days before Christmas or, you know, a couple days after Christmas. You only get to go home for, you know, two days for Christmas or three days for Christmas. I was always a coach that, you know, wanted to give our guys the most possible time they could get home for Christmas. So, you know, if you play a game on the 22nd and you come back the night of the 26th, that's a, a more challenging time. During exams, there's still a little bit of a buzz on campus. There's still some opportunities for everybody to socialize and be around people. But man, once final exams are over and, and campus turns into a ghost town, that's a challenging time, especially for young players that are away from home. It's the first time they've been away from home. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that is that, that, that becomes challenging. Speaking with Matt McCall. On the sports drive, always love talking hoops with with a Matt and being able to dive into college basketball, um, the NBA as well. Right now, the Lakers taking on the Cavs. I just started on, on TNT. The Lakers bouncing back a little bit. Uh, I don't think I've asked you this, uh, as we haven't talked about the NBA too much in particular, but how much does LeBron James mean? I don't know how much you utilized um, NBA film when when motivating your 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 players at the collegiate level, but but how big has LeBron James been for basketball and just, you know, the NBA? He's been so good for so long, but is there anybody that, that you particularly looked at or even shared film of when, when you were teaching your guys about, you know, some play or, or anything like that about uh, LeBron or Kobe or anybody in particular during your time as a, co- as a head coach or, or as an assistant? True. I think the most impressive thing about LeBron – love him, hate him, don't like him, think Jordan's better. Yeah. I, I grew up in the Jordan era, so I'm, I'm more of a Jordan guy. Um, I think it's hard to pick anybody above him. To me, the most impressive thing about LeBron is the expectations that were placed on him when he was a sophomore, junior in high school, and the Sports Illustrated covers – and everything that was coming at him at such a young age. And people said, or people say, he didn't live up to those expectations or, you know, his whole deal when he, you know, said he was going to take his talents to South Beach, whatever. But he's lived up to the expectations that were placed on him at such a young age. And to me, that is so impressive. Yeah. That you never see him in the tabloids in terms of getting in trouble. There's no scandals. There's nothing. He's changed teams a couple times, but the generation of that was right under him, they didn't look up to Michael Jordan. They looked up to LeBron James, and he has done just an unbelievable job of meeting those expectations and exceeding those expectations. So I think he's changed the game. I think from that standpoint um, – you know, I, I think as a coach, you're always trying to find ways to motivate your team. I, I think there's, even since Kobe's passed, rest in peace, I think, you know, the the clips that you see of him talking about leadership. And yeah. you know, I think, you know, Kobe and Michael were different leaders from what LeBron is. And I know that that's not a lock, knock on LeBron, but his leadership style is different. And I just think, you know, for what he's done, the expectations that were placed on him again man 
what a career. I mean, he's made over a billion dollars and um, was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, you know, as essentially a junior in high school. And there's a lot of guys that were put in that situation. I mean, I think you put LeBron, you know, Tiger, you know, the Williams sisters in tennis, like just those expectations at such a young age to exceed them. Man, that, that that takes a lot of discipline, and, and he's definitely done that. Uh, yeah. Final thing I'll, I'll leave you with here is the Pelicans are second in the Western Conference right now, and, and we talk yeah. about depth in basketball and all that, and, I, and, you know, we had talked about this, and I think it was our first conversation of how, how deep this team is. Yeah. You have seven guys who are averaging double figures. Jose Alvarado goes for 30, 38 the other night, and, I mean, on, on paper, you think, yeah, this team's – is really solid, but I think people take for granted the defensive ability that they have with Herb Jones and Trey Murphy being at Virginia. We know how how good of a defensive coach Tony Bennett is, and then Jose Alvarado. I mean, they bring a lot to the table on both ends of the floor, and then with Zion being healthy, this team looks like a legitimate threat in the Western Conference, and they're certainly proven it so far with how they've looked this year. It's just a matter of staying healthy, I think, for them. I think it's 100% staying healthy, Drew. How about just like the personality of Zion, too? When you watch yeah. him and his press conferences, and everyone was kind of writing it off because of his start into the NBA. I mean, it's just it's impressive to see and how he engages with the media. He doesn't take himself too serious. I, I just think, and obviously we know how talented he is. It's just really impressive to see. There's no question they're a playoff team. I think the West is up for grabs, as you know we see in terms of what's going on. I'd never write off the Warriors. I think they're starting to figure it out. I think you know L.A. in terms of hey, how does Westbrook and LeBron and AD is now playing more like a an MVP candidate, which is what everybody wanted. But I've just been so impressed with Zion and how everyone was writing him off, and now. He's just showing his personality a little bit. The team is playing terrific. It's just impressive. And, and, and credit to him, who's a young NBA player, who's, again, we talk about the expectations. There's a lot of expectations that have been put on him, and a lot of people wrote him off because of the injuries and how many games he's missed, and now he's showing the world what he can do. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's really special. I mean, that's the thing, too, that's been great. There was, I don't know, probably five to seven years where NBA drafts were – not the greatest. I mean, you had, you know, uh, Anthony Bennett going first overall. You, you had some of these other guys where it just didn't pan out. And Michael then, Kidd Gilchrist. That, that, <laughs> Michael Kidd Gilchrist was second. That's right. In the, what was that, 2012 draft, they took my man Brad Beal third at the Washington Wizards, who <laughs> has obviously had a tremendous career, but Kidd Gilchrist was another one. I mean, there's, yeah. you know, the, the draft is so hit or miss. You've got to be healthy. You've got to be put in the right situation. And a lot of people rode off Zion and, Man, he, the Pelicans look smart now. Oh, yeah, and to that point, over the last three three or four years, I mean, the drafts have been loaded with talent, and now we're getting to the point where NBA scouts are now getting a little bit more free reign from the NBA to go and attend some of these uh, tournaments and, you know, the showcases for these high school players who they could very well draft here uh, soon. So it, it is a good time to be a basketball fan, and, Always appreciate the time, Matt, uh, being able to talk to you about college hoops and, and the pros, and look forward to catching up with you again here uh, soon. You got it, Drew. Thanks, man. Enjoy it.